Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Today is the Q&A that followed the message on James 5, 7, and 8. There were seven questions. First, God hates grumbling, but he also tells us to come to him with our troubles. So what's the difference? Number two, you said the whole New Testament is the gospel, but couldn't you say the same thing about the entire Bible? Is the whole Bible the gospel? Number three, if we're never allowed to complain, how would, you, how would change ever take place? How do we correct problems? Number four, what about the American Revolution? Did that follow the principles of this passage? Number five, is it grumbling when we speak out against the evils of our society? Number six, James says that the day is near, but other passages talk about things that must take place before the second coming. So if those things haven't happened yet, how can we think of his coming as being near? And number seven, how do you avoid complaining in those times when you have more on your plate than you can do? question is, what about praying for requests versus grumbling? There can be a fine line between lament and grumbling, right? Very, very insightful question, because we don't want to be necessarily relaxed in our prayers about serious things, right? If something really bad is happening, we read about, you know, ISIS or Pastor Saeed or whatever stuff that's going on, and... and Christ being dishonored, the demolishing of gender roles in our culture, and we just, get, we just there should be some passion behind our prayer, right? There should be some anxiety there. So where does it cross the line into grumbling? I would say this. Biblical lament is typically a, cry, a complaint that, God, I don't have enough of you. I don't have a great enough experience of your presence. That's the one thing we're allowed to complain about. That's the one complaint that actually honors God and glorifies God instead of uh, angering him. And so we can say that all we want. Lord, I don't have enough of you. Lord, this world doesn't have enough of you. This, this situation doesn't have enough of your grace. And, and we can complain about that all day long because that glorifies him and that points us to the right solution. So I would say that, number one. And then the second thing I would say is our announcements of bad things and our discernment turns into grumbling when it's missing love. I mean, Jesus, he was blistering in Matthew 23, right? He just like, woe to you, hypocrites! You know, and all over, and he just keeps calling them names, and he's just, you can just hear him yelling in Matthew 23. Just lets them have it. But then also, in the same context, what does he do? He's, he, he looks out over Jerusalem, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I long to gather you together. And you've got tears coming down his face. And I think... If, if we're going to do, if we're going to do that, if we're going to rebuke, we need to also have the tears, you know, when we're in private. I think where there's love, that keeps grumbling from just being grumbling, and and it actually makes it redemptive. Because you've been around that, right? You you can. It's kind of hard to define the difference between grumbling and 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 a, and a good rebuke, but. You can. It's one of those things you can identify it when you hear it, right? Because you know what it's like to be around a grumbler. Doesn't everybody know when somebody is just grousing about they're going on and on, oh, that's stupid, and you're just like, you know, it just gets you down. It's discouraging. Whereas good biblical rebuke is motivating, not discouraging. 
Well, I would stop short of saying the whole Bible is the gospel just because I can't think of any scripture that actually says that, whereas I can point to scriptures that imply that the whole New Testament message is the gospel. So the Old Testament is the foundation for the gospel. The gospel is meaningless without the Old Testament foundation. And so in that sense, it's an essential part. But just to to try to stick with biblical language, I think the scriptures refer to the New Testament message as the gospel. The part of the, the, the new covenant, the part that's new. So. Okay, so if we never grumble ever, if it's never allowed, then how would change ever take place, number one? And number two, what about the American Revolution? First question, when I say never grumble, I'm not saying never say anything negative. I mean, obviously, Jesus did that, the apostles did that. They said some very, very negative things. They, sometimes it's time for a rebuke, sometimes it's hard, time for a harsh rebuke. Um, but that's evidently different from grumbling. So grumbling is uh, pointing out something that's wrong without a heart of love. And Jesus never did that. Even with the people that crucified him, you, you see Jesus, he, he comes in and it, it's the most blistering words out of Jesus' mouth. It's got to be Matthew 23, right? I mean, you hypocrites, hypocrites. Again and again, he's calling them names. He's saying, you do this, you do this. He's listing their sins. You can, you can just hear him shouting in Matthew 23. But then what also happening there in the context? He rides up, he sees Jerusalem, and he's weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets, how often I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under wing, but you wouldn't do it, and tears are coming down. If you're going to have a Matthew 23 rebuke on someone, you better have a Matthew 23 tears. You know? And so it's, it's, it's appropriate to, to bring up negative things and to point out wrong things and to fix things that need to be fixed and to help people along. But we need to do it with a heart of love that inspires instead of discourages. So that's the first. Second question, American Revolution. I have heard that it was justified on the grounds of self-defense. On the grounds of self-defense because the soldiers are pillaging households and everything and so in the name of protecting their families and self-defense they could do that. I'm just not enough of a historian to know. So I got to plead ignorance. I don't know. Thankfully, I'm not in charge of uh, evaluating the people that did that. I'm glad uh, we ended up, you know, free. But, but yeah, I can't really say one way or the other on the revolution. Um, but generally speaking, I think the, the, the scripture is very clear. Obey the governing authorities. So. Okay, so what about when we look at the world and their wickedness? We look at ISIS, we look at the, you know, the abortions, we look at all this stuff and we speak out against that. And, and you know, it doesn't seem like we should love that stuff. Well, we shouldn't love it. But still, we can love the lost. We can long for them to be saved. We can have compassion on them. And uh, we can speak out against their evil. But uh, we can speak out against it in a redemptive way. It's different going around grumbling and complaining, oh, stupid government, stupid people doing this, dumb laws, and these people, wicked, violent, you know, and just grumbling, is, that's different from speaking words of Scripture. It's like, here's what the Bible says about what's going on. And, uh, but let's encourage each other with the second coming, you know, or that kind of thing. You can, you can say it in a way that's encouraging. You can say it in a way that's just grumbling. So. That's right. It's, it's totally ruined now because of the fall, because of the curse. It's just a huge mess now, but he's going to come and fix it. It's, it he's going to come and restore it. So, so yeah, I, th- th- sometimes there's a fine line between, between pointing out something that needs to be pointed out uh, and, and grumbling, doing it in a grumbling way. 
And you can kind of tell the difference when you're listening to it, can't you? When somebody's grumbling, you're just like, you know. And when somebody is being a prophet and they're pointing out something wrong, it's it's motivating, it's inspiring, it it it, it points to a solution, it um, it points to God. So. Yeah, I think murmuring uh, is just a synonym for grumbling. Yeah, yeah. Right, so in our day, you read in First Thessalonians, and it says that day will not come until the Antichrist has been revealed, and, or the man of lawlessness, and the apostasy takes place. And Jesus said until all the nations are reached. Uh, and so it seems that there's still some things that need to take place. However, one thing about prophecy, end times prophecy, is there's a certain amount of built-in vagueness that makes it so that we... We need to be careful about being too rigid and dogmatic about our timetables one way or the other. And you see this, I mentioned this last week, you, you, you see this in, the, in, in this Olivet Discourse in Matthew where Jesus gave an end-time sermon, Matthew 24, 25. Man, he's, he seems to go back and forth. He says, watch for the signs. And then he turns right around and says, it's going to take you by surprise. And then he says, be ready at any time. And then... The next chapter, all these parables about be ready for a long delay. Parable of the virgins, parable of the talents, be ready for a long delay. And so I just think what he's saying there is, you know, you study that and you're like, well, you know, which is it? I just think where we need to land is, I think I, I, think I have an understanding of what, it's, what he says about, the, about what's going to happen. I do think the Antichrist needs to be revealed and, and so on. But I need to be ready at all times, and, and there's the implication in Matthew 24 especially that if I don't prepare myself now, then by the time I start to see the signs, that stuff that happens right before his coming, the, the, the Antichrist and the trouble and the tribulation, all that stuff starts happening, it'll be too late. It'll be too late to start getting ready then. That's why he says get ready now. You know, once it all starts, the things can happen so rapidly that it's like if you're not already ready, then it, so now's the time to be ready is the idea. I mean, the, the onset of all that stuff can happen at any moment. It could happen today, the onset of it. And so we need to be ready today. And we need to be ready to die, right? Once you die, then, then the next thing for you is, is that day. So there's enough mystery built in to where I'm going to say, okay, don't, don't mortgage your house and sit up on top of your roof in your pajamas and wait for the second coming, you know, the, the comet to come that's going to hit in September of 2015. You know, be ready for a long, but be ready just in case your calculations are up and it happens Soon, you know, either way. Oh, they overcommit to things and then they end up grumbling. Yeah, that, sometimes that happens where you commit to things that God didn't even call you to do and, and then it's hard and then you, it's so burdensome because God didn't equip you for it that you start grumbling because you have to do this burdensome work that he never even required of you. You think of Mary and Martha, right? So Martha, she's doing all, scrambling around doing all this stuff. And Jesus said, one thing is required, Martha. But she's grumbling against Jesus because of all this work that is burdensome to her because it's not a drawing near to him. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. 
Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.